This is L.A. Court Report, covering Southern California's boys' high school basketball scene, going to games, running events, hosting Zoom conversations, and now, the podcast. This is the L.A. Court Report podcast. I'm Steve Wax with Brad Enright, and our guest tonight is St. Anthony head coach, Alan Cavanis. Coach, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to get right down to it. Coach, take your time in answering this question. St. Anthony was a Division Five team when you got there, and you're now consistently in the LA Times Top 25, and you're in open division consideration every year. How did you mastermind that type of acceleration of the program? Uh, I don't know if I could be considered a mastermind. Uh, but we've got really good players over the last few years. We've been really fortunate. Uh, when I first got here, um, I was actually coming off a high. My team had won a Drew League championship in 2014, and we walked into St. Anthony, and most of the kids had left or either wasn't happy with what we were implementing in terms of culture. And we won seven games in my first year. Uh, we got beat by 50 by Milliken and 40 by Cabrillo and you know, we just gotten smacked around by a bunch of other schools. And so fortunately, we were able to get a really good group of freshmen that came in and a few transfers that inquired about coming over. And we were able to turn it around from, I think, 7 and 20 to 20 and 7 the next year. So we were fortunate. And then we've taken a step or two forward each year. So um, we've grown as the program has gotten better. And, you know, obviously winning begets more winning and people want to be a part of the successful program. So we've been able to get a little more talent. So that's helped quite a bit. What is the attraction? In a city like Long Beach, there's so many public schools and in the neighboring cities of Long Beach, there's public schools, Mayfair, Lakewood, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So what's the appeal to St. Anthony? Well, when, when parents or players contact me about you know coming, I let them know it's a really unique situation. As you said, it's right in the middle of downtown Long Beach and Poly, which is five minutes away from us, uh, is obviously one of the story programs of Long Beach, but we're very different. And so when we get, you know, people that are considering coming to us or coming to Poly, I let them know it shouldn't be a hard decision because we have 500 kids, Poly has 5,000. You know, obviously we're a private school, they're public. So depending on what environment you're choosing to be in, it shouldn't be that difficult of a choice. I let them know if you're looking for a huge school and a big campus and a bunch of students, we can't offer that. So you know, ours is more intimate, it's more family oriented in the sense that it's, you know, we have one courtyard where everybody hangs out. So, you know, as opposed to the bigger schools, you can hang out just about anywhere, but there's one small area in campus where everybody is. And so, you know, if you're gonna come with us, then you're gonna have to be comfortable with the small, intimate, you know, family knit environment with only maybe four to 500 kids, only maybe 20 teachers. So it's a really, really different than most places. That makes a lot of sense. Now, coach, you've been the head coach at three different community colleges. You've been the head coach at Mount Sac, Compton College, and Fullerton College. Did the community college experience of only having two and sometimes three years to work with a player and develop them help prepare you for the speed in which you turn things around at St. Anthony? Uh, yeah, well, it's interesting because when I took over at Compton College, you know, they had actually just won a state championship, but again, new coach, kids leave. And so you know, it was kind of an overhaul, uh, you know, without any kids returning. 
the same thing at Fullerton and the same thing at Mount Sac. So it's just been a matter of implementing the, the core values of the things that we believe, you know, having a good attitude, working hard, study hall, being a good person, you know, uh, we do Bible study, all, all those things, you know, matter for us. And for me, the process is more important than, than the wins. If we have a good process and we talk about, you know, kids being good people and taking care of business in the classroom, you know, the wins usually take care of themselves. And so for us, you know, the staff that I've been a part of and the people who I've worked with have been fortunate. We've, I've been fortunate to have obviously really good people on, on staff, but also to get good players. So, you know, at, at Fullerton, we had at, at Mount uh, Compton, I'm sorry, we had probably seven or eight kids get division one scholarships, another five or six at, at Fullerton, and then another five or six at, at Mount Sac. So obviously having players helps. Um, and then now you just got to coach them and try to direct them. But, you know, obviously I, I think I get too much credit because, it, you know, you don't really win anything without the talent. Now, again, you have to coach it and structure it, but you have to have some talent. Coach, what was the biggest change going from junior college to high school? The parents. Let me rephrase that. What was your biggest challenge going from, you know, coaching 18, 19, 20-year-olds to yeah. coaching 14, It's, actually, it's actually been really re refreshing in some senses. Um, for a junior college kid, if he can play, and I've had, I've coached three kids who were player of the year in California, JUCO. Um, and if they can play, there's usually a flaw somewhere, either attitude, academics, some skill set, um, you know, coachability, you know, communication skills, or something. There's something in in most cases, not all, but in most cases, if they could play, had a great attitude, worked hard, and were good students, they usually wouldn't be at a community college. So there's usually something that we have to clean up or help them clean up. Um, at high school, you know, the kids are a little younger, obviously. So they're a little more apt to learning and a little more open and responsive. Uh, my biggest message with community college kids is, hey, you didn't get it done in high school. You know, if you came from a prep school, it didn't work there. This is your last chance. So whatever you've been doing, you probably need to, to adjust your attitude and, and you know, uh, try to shift it a little bit. Otherwise, you're going to get the same result. Like we all know what the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Well, at the community college level, it, you know, and, it, and I'm, I'm not bashing community college because I am a community college guy. I'm a product. I played at El Camino in the late eighties. And so I believe in the system, uh, but I had to have an overhaul and a change in my attitude. The biggest difference for me now is dealing with the parents. Um, you mentioned division five or four where we were, the division four or five parent is a lot different than the division one parent. Uh, and so the expectations are a little different. Um, kids obviously are, you know, a little bit better than when we first got there um, in terms of talent or maybe athleticism. Um, and so, but the parents expect more also. And so that is the biggest challenge is, you know, there, and I tell our parents this openly and honestly, there is an inherent conflict in the sense of you want what's best for your son. I want what's best for the program. Obviously I want your kid to succeed of course, but you know, I, a lot of my mentors have taught me basketball is fair, but it's not equal. So we won't get the same amount of shots. Everybody doesn't get to shoot the three. Everybody doesn't get to dribble the ball up the court. And so it's not easy for a parent to hear your kid doesn't really shoot it that well, or he's not our best ball handler. 
You know what I mean? And again, the, the, the conflict is it's natural. They want their kid to do well. So they're just loving their kid. But in sometimes, you know, there can be a conflict. And so they require some conversation and just some trust. And so that, that's a constant process for us. So going with that, do you have any specific rules that you lay out for parents? Fortunately, uh, the administration, when I was hired, they had something in their athletic handbook that says, please don't approach players. I'm sorry, please don't approach coaches on game days or before or after practice when you have questions regarding playing time or whatever it may be or the role of your kid. What I stress to the parents is talk to your kid first. You know, I'm not a great coach. I, I'm not the best coach, but I am a, a decent communicator in the sense that if a kid is not playing or whatever his role is, he will know. You know, we watch film every day. You know, we have shoot arounds on game days. We have walkthroughs and practice, obviously, on a consistent basis. So if a kid's not playing, he's going to know why. But we all know teenagers are teenagers. And you ask, and, and this is true for my kid as well. He comes home from school or practice. How was your day? Fine. How was school? Fine. How was your game? Good. You know what I mean? And so if the kid is not open and honest, the parent is not going to be fully informed. And so what we try to stress is, hey, talk to your kid first. You know, your son will know why he's not playing. If he's honest, he'll tell you. Now, he may disagree with me, but he'll know where what I'm thinking, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So switching gears for a second, can you talk about the importance of scheduling? Heading into a normal season, obviously this COVID season has been a little crazy. How do you approach scheduling tournaments and non-league games to prepare you for success? Well, our scheduling for me is important because we, we label our season into three different sections. We have our preseason, which is the first section, and then league, and then obviously the playoffs is the, the final part, the conclusion. We typically will go to two to three tournaments. We try to have at least one overnight tournament where the kids have the experience of team bonding, uh, you know, hanging out at the hotel. We do film sessions and shoot arounds while we're on the road. You know, they, they like it as a getaway. Obviously, what 17-year-old what kid doesn't leave to, love to eat out and stay in a hotel overnight away from mom and dad? Uh, but we try to use it as an opportunity for the kids to bond and get closer. So what we've done typically for the last maybe four or five years, we've gone to Torrey Pines over in San Diego, uh, which has been a great tournament for us. We've actually won it a couple times. Um, so we usually try to make sure we'll do one of those. We've gone to Redondo Union Tournament, the Rise Williams tournament maybe the last three or four years. That's been great for us just coming out the box with some competitive teams. Uh, so we want it to be, you know, competitive to prepare us. Obviously playing in the Delray League with Bishop Bernards and Sarah and Cathedral, some really good athletes, some Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, so it's great to prepare us, you know, for, for the postseason. And speaking of those trips, how do you make sure that your players aren't on the phones or their laptops all night? Did one of the kids tell you ask this question? No, actually. We, we take their phones uh, at a certain time. And I did this at the college level too. Um, anywhere, it could be anywhere from 11 to midnight. Depending on what time our, our day starts the next morning, we will take their phones. We'll literally come by, grab a bag, you know, let your parents know they're going to be fine. But between 12 and whatever, eight or nine, you know, and I'm looking at their social media. I make sure I follow everybody, you know, and just kind of check in, see what's going on. Um, and we've had to remove a couple guys 
over the years because they've had a, a, an extra phone or whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, I explained to them, this is a business trip. Um, this is not a, a trip for you to go vacation and go to the mall and hang out. We are here in the morning. There's a team breakfast. There's a meeting. There's a shoot around, a film session, you know, and, and then there's the game day. So we try to explain that this is not, a, a, you know, a, get, a getaway, a vacation. We're here to go and try to win some games, get better and, and bond. So, yeah, we, we take their phones when we're on overnight trips. And you brought up the special league that you play in the Delray League. Can you spend a few minutes talking about the uniqueness of that league? It's a great opportunity, man, to, to measure yourself against some of the best. Obviously, we know what Bishop has done over the years, you know, the last few years, uh, the run that they've been on. Uh, you know, Mitchell's a high-level coach. Uh, Mitch Runco, who was at Burners for a long time, won some CIF titles there. He's now, you know, helping Middlebrooks at Cathedral. Uh, Sarah has always been a tough place for us to play. They're just so tough and athletic. Uh, and, you know, now Cathedral's in our league. They're back in. They went down for a minute and they just came back up, but they've got some transfers. So it's, for me, it's, it's fun because I get to measure myself against some of the best coaches in high school basketball. Um, I thought a couple of years ago it was close to the Trinity League. Now I think we're probably a little bit, you know, un right under them. Uh, but it, for sure, we're in one of the better leagues in California, in my opinion. And I'm obviously, I'm biased. I think the quality of the league speaks for itself, and right. it's an incredible league. Now, switching gears, let's talk about player development. You've overseen huge spikes of improvement in some hardworking players like Frankie Stain and J. Don Jones. Mm -hmm. How do you structure your workouts and your practices to maximize their development? What makes your approach different than that of some other programs? I don't think I, I can take credit for their, their development. Both of those kids, and we've been fortunate to have a good number of our kids in our program have been gym rats. They've really, really wanted to get better. They spend a lot of time. You know, um, I've been fortunate in the sense that we've run a year-round program, and that's been, you know, you mentioned going from Division 5 to 1. A lot of that has been because we play year-round. So, when this season, in, in a normal season, when our, our season ends in March, so whenever, you know, we've gone to their quarterfinals at least the last few years, well, I give them two weeks off. Those guys are like, hey, coach, when can we get back in the gym? So after week one, you know, they're like, okay, coach, when we starting up? And we've hosted a spring league for the last probably four or five years where we get anywhere from eight to ten games. We'll go again in the normal year without COVID. We'll go to Vegas and we'll play under an AAU program with just our guys, not an AAU team, but our St. Anthony guys. And we'll go to Vegas for one of Dino's events or one of those events down there in April. Um, and then in June, obviously, you know, you play, you know, regular high school basketball. And then at least two weekends in July, we will play under an AAU or my AAU team. And it's again, it's our regular high school guys. And then we'll do the same thing in the fall. I'll give them August off. And then in September, we'll start working out start running five miles. By October, our spring league is kicked in, uh, maybe mid-September, and we'll play that from September to late October. And then in November, the season starts. So by the time our season starts in November, we've played probably 30 games together. So we get at least a full season in before the season. And know that helps our chemistry, our camaraderie, and then to your point, the guys will get better. So in addition to our stuff, they're working out on their own, you know, like our current guys right now, Jaden, I'm mean not Jaden, Jaden Bush and Kai, 
Williams have asked their moms to put weight rooms in their garage just because they're hoopers and they want to get better. So again, I, you know, you give me credit, but I'm fortunate to have some kids who love the game. What advice do you have to that young coach who says, I'm taking over a program and I want our team to play together in the summer. I want to bring my team to Vegas, but I've got a player who says, coach, I'm yours the whole year, but I'm with my AAU team in the spring and summer. What advice do you have to that coach? I mean, at the end of the day, the decision comes down to the kid and the parent. I've been fortunate, to be, you know, I'm sorry, it's like a broken record, but our parents and our kids have been super supportive of what we're trying to do. And, and I try to pour that same uh, level of trust and that same level of support back with the kids as well and the, and the families as well. Um, you know, again, I mentioned earlier, our, we're really close knit. We do a lot of team bonding, you know, we're together. We go eat every Thursday, like Wednesdays, we play in league and Friday we play in league. So Thursday, you're not gonna do much in practice. So we practice about maybe an hour, hour and a half, go through the other team stuff, watch some film and then we go eat. You know, we take trips, we've gone to, you know, uh, paintballing and, you know, bowling and movies. And, you know, so fortunately we've built a culture where the kids are together. So they, you know, are excited about playing together. And, you know, obviously there are conflicts occasionally when, you know, kids might want to do stuff other, other places. And I, I'm fine with that. Uh, but for the most part, our kids have been supported. Um, you know, if someone is not willing to buy in, not a whole lot you can do. You know, you just got to kind of respect it and hope they see the value in staying together. This year has presented more challenges than I think you could ever imagine. And you won six in a row to start your season against some very good teams. How did you and your staff work together to maximize your practice times and get your team to play its strengths and minimize any weaknesses you might have? Um, we spent some time together during the pandemic. Uh, our school does mandatory testing. Even before the school started, we were doing our own testing. Uh, we would have the parents, you know, to contact their insurance, find places and ways that they could get testing done. Um, and we tried to be responsible with it. But we had worked out one or two days a week uh, just to try to, you know, build some semblance of camaraderie. And we were fortunate, you know, to do that. Again, it was under my AAU program. Uh, but the kids, I met with the kids. I met with the parents. And they wanted to try to do something. You know, obviously, it wasn't every day. It wasn't a lot. But it was one or two days a week. Uh, we implemented testing. We implemented temperature checks and tried to do everything we could to try to make it safe. And the parents and the kids agreed to try to, you know, minimize their exposure and, you know, we just try to do what we could to keep ourselves together in the midst of the pandemic. Pandemic, and obviously, it's paid off to some degree. Now, obviously, you know, I don't know if we're going to win a CIF title because of it, but I think for for me, the bigger thing was the kids were struggling emotionally and mentally, uh, and it was a benefit for them for us to do something. It wasn't a ton, but it was something to give them some sort of outlet. And so that is, you know, transferred into the start of the season that we've had. Looking at your own team and looking at the teams you've played, what signs of rust do you see related to the pandemic? Is it out of shape? Is it defensive rotations? What are you seeing the most? I don't know. I, I, I got enough problems with my own team. It's hard for me to, to coach somebody else's. You know, I'm still yelling at guys to get back from missed box outs. We're still running for transition defense. So it's hard for me to look at somebody else's when I got so many weeds still in my own grass. Fair enough. 
So Brad and I are going to ask you our absolute favorite question to ask, which is, what's your favorite unpopular opinion? Meaning what's something that you believe and stand for that people look at you like you're crazy when you say, that's my belief? I don't know. That's tough because I'm old. So, you know, the majority of the basketball kids and coaches and players are younger than me. So, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s watching hoops. Being old is being old is good for this question, coach. Being good for this question. <laughs> hey, listen, I remember in basketball, I don't know if you guys remember this, in the NBA, it used to be three to make two for free throws. I don't know if you guys ever are old enough to know that. You used to get three free throws to make two. That's how old I am. Yeah, that that was in the 70s in the in the NBA. Um, my unpopular opinion. That's a great question. Um, like, for example, at Long Beach Poly, Coach Diggs doesn't like to press. That's his unpopular opinion. Everyone else would say, why wouldn't you? He doesn't like what? To press. Um, if you have a good point guard, put Polly on your schedule. <laughs> Polly is really good, man. Um, you know, Sheldon is my guy. Um, I've tried to, to get more games with them, but, you know, the Moore League has a unique schedule and we haven't been able to play but once. Um, you know, obviously, they, I, I've always thought it would be great for the city, um, two of the better teams. And obviously, they're a historical program, um, what they've accomplished. Uh, but damn, to answer your question, unpopular opinion. Does it have to be high school sports? Well, usually it relates to basketball, but it could be something else if you want. I was going to say in the NBA, it bothers me when guys sit out back-to-backs. And I don't know if that's a big deal or not. Um, again, you know, I'm old, so I remember with guys, teams would play three days in a row. So, you know, watching the guys sit today, and I get it with AAU basketball, by the time they get to the NBA, it's really, they've logged a lot of miles on their body. It's very, very different than what it used to be. Um, and it's probably to be fully transparent, I play in a fantasy basketball league. So when LeBron misses 42 days, it kills my fantasy team. Like I'm pissed, right? I'm sorry, I'm mad right now because Schroeder's sitting tonight. And he's on my team and we have two weeks to go and I'm in first place. And I'm hoping that, you know, the COVID stuff or whatever it is, is going on. He doesn't miss too many games. So uh, I hate when guys miss games. That makes a lot of sense. Also, how good is your sports medicine program at St. Anthony so that your players get to stay on the court rather than sit off the court? Jennifer Hernandez is is really great. Uh, She usually has a couple interns from Cal State Long Beach. She was hired a few years ago. She's been awesome for us. The guys really trust her. I trust her knowledge and her insight. Um, she's really thorough when guys have had issues that, you know, they get release forms and go see the doctors. But, you know, she, she does a great job of making sure our guys, if there's an issue, that they're out for the minimal time but doesn't risk their safety. Um, she operates with a lot of integrity. I'm grateful that she's part of our staff. Hey, Coach, well, I just wanted to ask one thing. You mentioned it earlier about you know, the size of your school compared to obviously the small town that, that, that Polly is. Right. Do you often find that people will want to go to that larger What's, school experience or does the smaller school experience for them? Do you find that they just, that you lose maybe a kid because they just want that larger traditional experience? What's funny is we will lose kids because of it. 
and we're not we're not we're rarely the first choice but then when it doesn't work then they go oh you know what and then they come and it works out they're like this is where i should have been but you know we're not the shiny object you know what i mean like we've won 20 25 games the last five or six years but we're still not modern day we're still not sierra canyon we're still little saint anthony's in a lot of people's eyes like we don't have high major guys like we'll have some decent talent and our kids will play hard and we'll prepare, but we're not the sexy choice because we don't have the huge gym and, you know, the, the high level, high major D one guys. And so, you know, a lot of times we'll get people after it doesn't work out. And so, and it's, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I've, I know where we are. I know who we are and I know that there's value in what we do and the relationships that I still have with my guys. Like Jadon comes and sits on our bench and helps us coach every game. He comes to practices, he comes to film film sessions, he's in coaching meetings. Like, you know, we have multiple guys that do that when they're in town and come in and help out. So although we're not as sexy as some of the better, bigger schools, uh, I do believe in, and I, I do know that there's value in what we do. And it's not for everybody. I, I know that I can't coach everyone because of what I mentioned earlier about being year round and the commitment that most guys make. And, you know, the time that we spend together, not everybody's willing to do that. You know, we run five miles for two weeks at 6 a.m. in September every year, you know. And so a lot of kids aren't willing to do that. A lot of parents aren't willing to wake up at 4.30 to drop their kid off for a 6 a.m. run, you know. So uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, and thankfully, we've had enough people buy in to where we've been successful. And there are a certain percentage of kids who see the value and what we do. So I'm grateful for that. And we're grateful to have had you as a guest. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your candor and wishing you the best with the rest of the season. Thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to the LA Court Report podcast, an LA Court Report production. 